Good morning. It's great to be together this morning, and uh, I'm glad that you guys are here and joining and that we get to worship Jesus together. That's amazing. Like, like Pastor Josh was saying, we meet because of an event that happened 2,000 years ago. Right? That's kind of crazy. 2,000 years ago, an event happened, and here we are in 2021 meeting because of that. And, uh, and it's not just a figment of our imagination not just a figment of our imagination. Jesus was here on earth, and he lived, he lived here, and he walked with people, and he, he died for us and rose from the grave, and that's why we're here. It's amazing. And one day he will come back and fully establish his kingdom and his reign, and it's going to be amazing. And, uh, and so that is exciting to me. I should, I should just note my parents are here this morning, actually. So, uh, Colin and Rose, you can, you can wave. Yeah, mom and dad. So they, they made the trek out, so uh, that's good. It's good to have them here. So don't be a stranger. Say hi to them afterwards. Um, but yes, Jesus is going to establish his kingdom. It's going to be awesome. And it's something that Jesus talks about lots, right? We've been in the Gospel of Matthew for, well, I think since September. And Jesus has talked about the kingdom of heaven a lot. And we've been in the Sermon on the Mount now for months as well. And this is the second last, the second last, uh, sermon on the Sermon on the Mount, and it's been so rich. It's been rich. We've, we've crawled through it, um, but it's been so rich. But I don't know if you guys have noticed about the Sermon on the Mount, but there's a lot of hard passages that we've gone through. You guys notice that? Like, Jesus is actually quite intense, <laughs> and there's a lot of hard passages that we've gone through. And like we've talked with the last couple of weeks, um, the way is hard and the gate is narrow that leads to life, right? But life is the destination, but the way there is hard according to Jesus. And I think we've, as we've gone through his teaching, it's like, this is pretty like next level teaching. Like, this is intense. Um, have any of you guys seen the movie Napoleon Dynamite? Can you get a show of hands maybe who's seen Napoleon Dynamite? Yeah, pretty much a classic out there. Um, but if you haven't seen it, it's about this guy, Napoleon, and his friends, and they're high school students. And one of his friends in the movie, he, he's trying to become a student council president. And it's, it's their final kind of, I guess, their, their speeches or whatever. And, and at the end of the speech, Pedro, his friend Pedro, he says, vote for Pedro, and all of your wildest dreams will come true. And I think in the same way, Actually, the North American church, more and more, this is the message that is being proclaimed of Jesus. Vote for Jesus, and all your wildest dreams will come true. Follow Jesus, and your life will get easier. Follow Jesus, and suffering will be alleviated from your life. And Jesus says, the way is hard, and the gate is narrow that leads to life. And so Jesus lays out this an intense, an intense standard of living. He, he, he calls people to give up their lives in order to follow him. He's so direct. And yet he's so good at the same time. He's so full of love while he does it. And so as we, as we jump into today's passage, um, I, am not, I am not taking this passage lightly this morning. Um, it's, it's another intense teaching from Jesus. And... I was talking to people throughout the week, and last week I was like, I'm nervous for this passage because it is so intense. 
And so as we dive in this morning, um, I pray that we be able to hear Jesus' words, and I be able to hear his words and, and respond to him this morning. So we're in Matthew chapter 7, Sermon on the Mount, verse 21 to 23. I'll read it for us. This is Jesus talking. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. And so we're going to dive in this morning, but this is another intense passage right? Like, this is something that we read, and we're like, man, that's pretty harsh. Like, is that really what Jesus is saying? And like, yeah, that's really what Jesus is saying. I love in the Gospels how different Gospels kind of put it a little bit differently. Um, Luke 6, oh, it's not on. Luke 6, verse 46, is Jesus talking. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? (laughs) And so as we jump in, Matthew 7, 21, right? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So this is, like, this is good for us, okay? Jesus is actually giving us a warning. He's giving his followers a warning here this morning. Well, not this morning, he didn't say this, but, like, he's giving a warning, right? And warnings are actually really loving. They're really good. I remember 2012, um, I did YWAM in Australia. I've talked about that before. And one of the first days, we went to the beach. And, you know, we're in Australia. got to go to the beach, right? It's oceans, everything. And the Aussies there, they, before we went in, they, they, they took us aside, and they talked about the ocean. And they warned us about the current. And they warned us about how, you know, you don't, might not even be thinking about it, but the, 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 the undercurrent could be pulling you away from the beach, and you're not even thinking about it. All of a sudden, you're, you're far away, actually, from the beach. And they taught us how to get back to the back to shore safely. You don't go direct against it. You don't go, you, know, you don't go the, the perpendicular, you go angle. You go angle against the current, and that's actually the best way to get back to the beach. And so they warned us, they taught us ahead of time, because this is, the ocean's no joke. And interestingly enough, in 2017, Carrie and myself went to Panama on a missions trip, and on that trip, there was one afternoon, our team went to the ocean, and one of our team members was getting actually swept away by the ocean. It was crazy. And and she had arthritis, and like she was like very much struggling. And so Carrie had to go out there and bring her back in. And it is a very sketchy story of how she brought her back in. But the moral of the story is that the ocean's no joke. And the Aussies warned us ahead of time that was no joke. And so that was loving of them. So Jesus is good, and he is loving. And he says, he says these hard words, but it's out of love. Like just imagine, right, if you saw someone blindly you know, heading towards a cliff, you would probably say something, I hope, right? If someone's heading towards a cliff, you'd say something, right? And that's what Jesus is, you know, doing for us this morning, I believe. So what is Jesus doing? Well, he's, he's, addressing, he's addressing hypocrisy. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Jesus is saying that there are people who call him Lord, that aren't actually allowed to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Just because you call Jesus Lord 
like just because you say it, okay, that actually, according to Jesus, it actually doesn't really mean anything. That actually doesn't mean anything. Calling him Lord doesn't give entrance into the kingdom. What does he say? But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. But the one who obeys Jesus, but the one who does the will of God, those are the ones who will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now, I want us to take a pause and just, I want us to think about the fact that we're talking about entrance into the kingdom of heaven here. If we think about eternity, this is kind of like the, the big deal question. How, how do I get to heaven? But this is a big, big deal. This isn't just a small thing Jesus is talking about. He's, he's, he's actually talking about entrance requirements for the kingdom. And so right away as we learn something about the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven is not for people who say Jesus is Lord and then don't obey him. The kingdom of heaven is for those who do what he says. James says this in 1.22. He says this, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. James is saying, if you just come and hear the word, if you just hear it, but don't actually do anything about it, you're actually deceiving yourself. Now that is like, that's intense, right? If you, if you don't do what it says, you're deceiving yourself. There's, there's many churches now in North America that don't preach obedience to Jesus. And in my opinion, according to what Jesus says and the word says, they are deceiving people. And so I know that messages on obedience are not always fun messages. Someone talked talk to me after the nine. They said, good message. It's a hard message, though. Like it, it, you kind of, like, it's, like you, feel, you feel it. And that's true. This is what Jesus says. We, we need to feel these words. They're heavy. They're heavy. Jesus is warning us, don't call me Lord if you're not going to obey me. If we take a step back and even think about the word Lord, what, is, what does it even mean? Well, Jesus being Lord means that he is master. He is master. He is king. It means that we now belong to him, that we are no longer in control, but that he is in control of our lives. We've actually given our lives over to him, and he gets to do what he wants to do. And really, this is what it means to believe and trust in Jesus. It means to give up control of our life and give it to him, that we belong to him now. See, Paul all over the New Testament talks about being a slave to God, being a servant, belonging to Christ, that he dies every day. That's what it means to call Jesus Lord. So Jesus says, if you call me Lord, but don't actually live like I'm your Lord, you're, you're actually not welcome into the kingdom of heaven, which is really intense. James continues in chapter 2. He says, so also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. And so what James is trying to get at there, he's saying that you can say you have faith, but if your life doesn't look like it, it's just a dead faith. That's what he says. He says even demons believe. Well, I, I certainly hope, I hope you as well hope, that there's no demons in heaven. I, I, think, I think we can agree there's going to be no demons in heaven. And James says even demons believe and shudder. And so what, what James is saying is, but, but faith, you know, with works, faith with works, Right? That our faith is being acted out by works. You can see the faith by the works. Okay? John 3, 16. Okay? Love this passage, right? We could probably all, most of us here could probably say it. 
say it uh, from memory, but I'm going to say it. So, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And we love that passage, right? Like, just got to believe in Jesus, which is so true. Like, it's so true. And I think sometimes we just forget about 20 verses later, this is what it says. It's John the Baptist. He says, whoever believes in the son has eternal life. Awesome. That's so good. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. So here we see that belief in Christ, trust in him, and obedience actually work together. There's a relationship there, right? True, genuine belief in Jesus will lead to obedience. It will lead to obedience. 1 John Chapter 2, verse 3 to 6. Here we go. He says this. And by this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. That last line gets me. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk the same way in which he walked. And Jesus walked a life, right? Like he, he lived it, obviously. The way is hard, the gate is narrow that leads to life. And so these passages are really intense. And they talk about our life should look different. Our life should look different. It should look like a life of obedience to our master. Let's continue. Verse 22 and 23 of Matthew 7. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty, many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. There's a bunch of things I want to say about this. So we're going to start. Pastor Josh last week talked about false teachers and prophets and looking for fruit, right? So here we have, and what was the fruit? Do you guys remember what the fruit was from last week? Anyone, any guesses? <laughs> 500 points to the Jonker family. It's awesome. Yes, the fruit that we talked about last week was character, right? The fruit of the Spirit. And so here we have Jesus teaching that just because there's miracles and signs and wonders, that doesn't guarantee fruit the person that's, you know, that God is using for that. Okay, so miracles, signs, wonders are not guaranteed fruit of Jesus knowing them. Okay, so that's, that's important. That's important, especially I think even in our, in our 2021 culture, right? Miracles don't guarantee anything. Um, and the fruit, like the fruit to, to look for is, is character, right? That's what we're, that's what we're looking for. Um, and so then the danger, the danger then on this passage is then, okay, all right, so Jesus said that just because they do, you know, they, they prophesy and they cast out demons and they do these things, like, Jesus doesn't know them. So any single person that there's miracles, that cannot be of God. Right? That's, so that's the one danger. That's, that's an extreme danger, I think, but that happens. And so in the West, if we, if we can't explain something perfectly, we often tend to throw it out or be afraid of it. And Jesus... Um, I mean, Jesus does things and says things that I don't always understand, but I can't throw what Jesus says, right? So 
The danger is that we now throw everything supernatural out. All right, so this is like, this is not good, clearly. So we've got to throw all that stuff. We've got to throw everything that we can't understand. We can't, we've got to throw all the supernatural. But that isn't bi- biblical. That isn't biblical. We just read earlier that, that we're supposed to walk as Jesus did. Well, Jesus did miracles. The apostles did miracles. I've seen miracles happen. I've read biography after biography of modern-day Christians. And it seems like every single time I read a modern-day biography, there are miracles happening. And, God, and they love Jesus, and they're people of character. And so just because there are signs and wonders doesn't mean that that's fruit of the Spirit. And just because there are signs and wonders doesn't mean that isn't fruit of the Spirit. There are many Spirit-filled, godly people who love Jesus, and the power of God is, operates through them. God uses them mightily, okay? So there's this balance. I wanted to touch on that a little bit before we kept on going. I want to bring this to a wider gaze as well, okay? So this is obviously like prophecy and, and you know, casting of demons and mighty works. But I think also as a, as a wider gaze, religious activity doesn't guarantee that Jesus knows somebody, right? Going to church, youth group, uh, even serving in church, um, you know, saying a prayer before meals, for instance, um, even if you sing during the services, like that actually doesn't guarantee, and this is like, this is heavy, I realize that, but that doesn't, doesn't actually guarantee that Jesus knows you. Doesn't guarantee that. And you might be asking yourself, wait, I, like I thought Jesus just like, didn't he just say that obeying him is entrance into the kingdom of heaven? And then he says, look, these people are obeying me. Really? They're, they're doing what Jesus did? And he's like, I don't know you. Depart from me. So Jesus, is, it appears almost as though he's saying two different things. Um, and so we have to wrestle with this. We have to wrestle with this tension. And so the question is, is, is there something going on here that, something more going on that can bring clarity? And the answer is yes, there is. There is. And I love the scriptures, how they, they work together. You know, different paths, they, 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 they have a message. It's, it's one big message of the Bible. But there's different, we go to different passages that not bring more clarity. And so Mark chapter 7, verse 5 to 7, Jesus and some Pharisees are, are talking. And this is, what, this is how the story goes. Mark chapter 7, 5 to 7. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? And he said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites. As it is written, This people honors me with their lips but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of man. They honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. They say, Lord, Lord, but their heart is far from Jesus. Their heart is far from Jesus. Jesus is saying, you can say what you want, but where is your heart? Your heart isn't near me. Mark 7, verse 20 and 23, he continues. He says, and he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual morality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. So here, here Jesus is pointing out that our behaviors come out of our hearts. 
the condition of our heart plays a massive factor in how we live our life. Do you see sinful behavior in your own life or in someone else's life? We need to do a heart check then. We need to do a heart check then. See, Jesus is after more than lip service. And he's after more than heartless obedience. He's after more than obedience without relationship. Right? It says, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Right? There's many different ways it could go. These people in this story, or in, in what Jesus is teaching, they could be doing these things, but their hearts could be just wretched. Like, they could be greedy and doing it for their own self-glorification and all that stuff. Right? They could be doing it even just like I, trying to earn their way to salvation. Okay, I, I just got to buckle up and, and do enough so Jesus will accept me. And Jesus says, I, oh, I, I just, I don't know you. I don't know you. And for myself, um, for me, my natural tendency by far is religious activity. Oh, yeah. Like, religious activity and, and doing things, that is way more my tendency. And, and where I'll struggle is being and, and actually having a walk and my heart just, like, in love with Jesus. I, I, my natural is I struggle with the religious activity. But my heart sometimes is like, oh, but Nick, like, you do this stuff, but your heart, I want your heart more. That's, that's where my struggle is more often. And so I, I wrestled through this sermon. Like, you should have, if there was a camera here on Friday, I was pacing through the church and wrestling through, like, how to, how to fight this tension and what to say. Because there is such a tension I feel in this. Because sometimes we can, we can get so caught up, okay, so we're supposed to obey. So we just obey, 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 and our hearts just grow colder and colder and duller and duller. And following Jesus is just a task and a duty, and a religion, and that is not the call of Christianity. And then there's the other side where I'm just going to love Jesus, and like, he's so, like he, I mean, he is so good, but I'm just going to love him, and like, I'm just going to be with him all the time, and I'm never going to ever do anything, and I'm just going to have quiet time upon quiet time upon quiet time, but I'm never going to live out my faith. And there's this tension here where Jesus says, you can't just say, Lord, Lord, and not do anything, and you can't just do anything, but your heart is so far from me. And so there's this tension, and I was wrestling this week about how to share this. And I think, once again, the scripture in different areas, they bring clarity. They bring clarity. And so in Revelation chapter 2, this is Jesus talking to a church. And he says in, in verse 2 to 5, he says, I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not. And found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. Jesus is saying, I see, I see it. I see you're doing it. Like you're living it out. I see that. That's good. Like he's not, he's not saying that's necessarily like he recognized, I see you doing what you, you know, you're doing this stuff. And then he continues and he says, But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place 
unless you repent. Jesus says, I see that you're doing all this stuff, but your heart is not in love with me right now. I'm not your first love. And he has some really strong words. When we put doing things for Jesus above our love for Jesus, he has some really strong words for us. He says, repent. If, you're, if your love for Jesus isn't first, repent. <laughs> Jesus, he's so intense, but he's so good. He's so good. This is actually like really good news if you think about it. Jesus so badly wants our hearts and our affections. And he wants that to be the driving motivator of our lives. Of a heart totally fixed on him. Love for him. That is called to be the driving motivator for us. Revelation 3.20. This is Jesus talking to a church. He says, behold. He's talking to the, the lukewarm church in Laodicea. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Jesus is not after just our behaviors. He's after our hearts. He's also not interested in us just saying he's Lord and not doing anything. So he also calls us to live for him, but he wants it out of the heart of love for him. Out of this, honestly, this, this feast, I want to eat with you. Like I want to come into your heart and eat with you. There's this picture that I, was, I heard years ago I loved it. And it was, this guy was talking about this, you know, we're all called to this buffet feast. It was like, he got like the buffet feast of God's love. We're all called to that. But so many people settle for the breadcrumbs that are on the ground. When there's just this buffet feast available. And when we are at the buffet feast, living for Jesus becomes a natural response. It becomes a natural response. And so, so often we can do the religious thing without actually having our heart's affection for him. We can do Christianity without Christ. We can do the religion, but neglect the relationship. We can obey and do what he says without knowing him, with our hearts in an in awful place. And Jesus says, I am not interested in that. Jesus says, I want your heart. I want to know you. I want your love and affection because that is, a, like, first of all, we should just pause. The fact that God, <laughs> the, the king of kings, the creator of the universe, he says, I just want your heart. That is amazing. That is so different than any other religion or worldview on this planet. That the God of gods, the creator, the Lord of all, he says, I want your heart. <laughs> that is amazing. And this is, a, this is a picture throughout the entire Bible. He, he calls himself husband and us his wife. He compares us to a marriage relationship. That is the most intense relationship on earth. Marriage, right? That's, that's an intimate relationship. He says, I am the bridegroom, you are the bride. He says, I am your father and you are my son or daughter. He calls us friend. He he wants us to know him and he wants to know us. And the first commandment, what's the first commandment? Love God, yeah. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Love God with everything. In the garden of Eden, right? He's walking with them. He's, he's with them in the beginning. And then in Revelation, at the end, it's God coming down to be with man. And he says God himself will be their God and he will be with them. 
He is just all about our hearts. He's all about us walking with him. I mean, Galatians would call us for us to walk by the Spirit. Walk in step with him. Jesus walked in relationship with his disciples here on earth, right? There's the story um, where the d- disciple John, it's, it's near the end of Jesus' life, and John is resting on Jesus' chest. And that is like, that is a closeness in a relationship that Jesus had with his disciples. And that's a relationship we can have with him. So Jesus says, yes, I want your obedience. But that will come when you give me your heart. That will come when you give me your heart. See, we're all born sinners, right? We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And there is nothing that we can do to earn salvation. Nothing. Talking about obedience is not talking about work-based salvation. There's nothing we can do. Jesus came. He died. He paid our debt. It's by the blood of Jesus and the blood of Jesus alone. We sang that today. It's by the blood of Jesus alone. And he offers us this free gift. He offers us this gift. We can never, that gift we can never earn. We can never pay for our sins. Jesus paid it. And then he says, now, your responsibility is to respond in trust and belief in Christ. And I believe trust and belief in Christ means that we will follow him and obey him. We'll follow him and obey him. And see, that when we turn to Christ, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within us. Right? He comes and, and makes us a new person, a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Right? I, think, I feel like we talk about this almost every other week, but this idea of being born again. Right? When we turn to Christ, he does something inside of us that changes. He changes us. We, we take on a whole new identity as children of God. It's amazing. We actually get to encounter his presence and his fellowship. And, and it's amazing. And this morning, I'm driving into the church building this morning. And, and I'm, I'm driving and I'm praying. And I'm like, Lord, like, I know what I'm speaking about today. <laughs> like, I, I cannot stand up here without encountering you this morning. Like, if I'm going to talk about the fact that our hearts are supposed to be affectionate for you, Lord, I need something. I need an encounter. I need, I need closeness with you this morning. And it's amazing when, how often he answers those prayers. How often he answers those prayers. It's amazing. And so when the Holy Spirit has filled us and changed us, and, and, and changing us, it's a process, when he's changing us, we will obey. We will obey Christ. It's just, that's just what's going to happen. That's just a natural response. And not only this, but when we turn to him, we encounter his love. We encounter his love. We encounter his forgiveness. We will be different. We will be different. The more we grow in our affection for him, in our love for him, when we cultivate that in our life, the more we grow in that, the more we will just want to obey him. And it's not, not 100% of the time. It's not going to be like, oh, yeah, okay. Every single day, every single second of my life, I just want to follow Jesus and never have a selfish desire again in my life. Well, I don't know about you, but for me, that's definitely not the case. But we can grow and we can be sanctified. But the truth is, the more we cultivate that love for Jesus, the more we'll want to obey him. And John 14 says, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. If we love Jesus, we'll keep his commands. And then the really neat thing is that when you obey Jesus, 
often you get to actually experience him more and your love for him grows. It's like this chicken or egg moment. It's amazing. John 14 talks about if you love him, then God will, will love you and manifest himself to you. And, and it's amazing. It's amazing. And so as we obey Jesus, often our love for him will increase. As we cultivate that love for him, whether it's in spending time with him in his presence is one of the ways we do that in his word and worship and prayer, waiting on him. We want to obey him more. It's just this, it's a beautiful thing. And see, God is not after lip service. and He's not after heartless obedience. He's not after obedience without relationship. He wants our hearts. He wants our hearts. He wants to transform us. He wants to make us new. It's amazing. And so this morning, if we feel this morning distant from God, maybe we feel, maybe some of you feel like you don't know him or there's really no, I don't know, you just like, I think, I think it's actually a shame sometimes like when we think about worship and we're singing songs to Jesus and our heart is just flat and there's just like, just kind of waiting for this singing part to be done because I didn't like choir class in school. And, and it's like, actually like worship is supposed to be out of our hearts, right? That's amazing. And so if we feel distant from God this morning, a, a question out of this passage that we need to ask ourselves is, are, are we following him? Have we, have we really given our life to Jesus? And it's not going to be perfect and like it's always just going to be hallelujah, of course, but like if we don't feel really anything ever, we have to ask the question, are we, have we submitted our lives to him? Have we turned to him? Are we following him? And if we aren't obeying Jesus, if we aren't um, living our life for him, we must ask a question, do we know him? Like, if, if you reflect on your life and you think, I don't know the last time I really tried to intentionally like obey Jesus or got into the word and this is what he said. I'm like, yeah, I guess I got to live this way and I can see marks of obedience in my life. If there isn't that in your life, then we need to question because that's what Jesus said. If you, then we have to question, is that Lord, Lord, just a lip service? That's what Jesus is saying. He wants our hearts. He wants our hearts, but you can see fruit as a, as a checkpoint, right? You can see fruit as a checkpoint. So if you think about it in marriage, right, for those of us who are married here, I hope that like the majority of the time when you serve, well, first of all, I hope you do serve your spouse. Secondly, when you do serve your spouse, I hope that the majority of the time you want to. <laughs> it's not like some obligation. And because that's just better, right? We just like, we, it's better if we want to serve our spouse. Um, and I think that's the call here as Christians. We should want to follow and serve Jesus. I love it. The way Peter puts it in First Peter, I don't have a reference for you, but he, he calls the, the people he's writing to, he calls them obedient children. As obedient children, now do whatever, live this way. And I think that picture is beautiful, actually. We are children of God, and we have, have a new identity, and we've been changed. And now we just follow him because we want to. That's the call. That's the call. Jesus is calling us to loving obedience of knowledge and intimacy with him that results in obedience. And so this morning, we're going to have a time of self-examination. And, uh, and 
question really is, is the first question is, am I, am I seeking to live for Jesus? Do, do I seek to obey him and follow him? Out of his word, out of prayer times I have, do, do I seek to follow Jesus? Um, that's the first question, because if, if the answer is no, I actually don't. Then it's like, hey, this is a time to actually reflect and, and get before the Lord and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm not seeking to follow you right now. And I don't want to have a lip service Christianity. I want the real thing. And so that's one side. And that's the other side, which for me, this is something that I believe Jesus has been speaking to me about lately, is this idea of like, Nick, I, you need your, like, I, just gaze upon me. <laughs> just gaze upon me. And, and so the second question is, are you just stuck in religious activity without being in relationship with Jesus? Right, because I think that's, that can so easily happen that we just get stuck on doing and doing and doing and trying to do the right things, but really our hearts are, are growing duller and duller and our love for Jesus is lacking. And Jesus is actually calling us to a way better option where we love him and out of that love for him and, and knowing his love for us, we follow him in joy. And the way still is hard and the gate still is narrow but it leads to life. And I think there is life for eternity, but there's also a life that he calls us to now. And it doesn't mean that things are always going to be easy. But in, amongst the way is hard. There is, I think, called to be a joy for us. We're called to have a joy amongst the, the hard way. And that joy comes out of knowing Jesus and being known by him. And so are we just stuck in religious activity or are we really not doing any religious activity? So there's like the both and it's this tension. So I'm going to pray and I'm just going to invite the spirit to just, if there's something he wants to say to you, he can do that. He doesn't have to, but I'm just going to give him space to do that. And then if there is something between you and the Lord, confess, repent and, and seek to move forward with him. Let me pray. Jesus, your word is so good. And we know that it's out of love that you, you share these things with us. And so God, I just, I pray right now that you would speak to us, that you would, you would reveal, Lord, our hearts right now. You'd examine us, God. Are we just doing religious activity without loving you? Or are we not really living for you? Is it just lip service? Jesus, I pray you just speak to us. And, and reveal right now.
whether we always say it or not or think it or not, we are all actually all made to know God's love. That is, we're all made to, to be loved, right? We, everyone likes being loved. <laughs> and, and I just imagine once again, John laying on Jesus' chest and there was just that closeness. John had given up his life to follow Jesus and there was a, a closeness with him. I mean, John talks about it. He was like the beloved disciple, right? Like he just, he bought that hook, line, and sinker, but he lived all in on Jesus out of love for him. And so that is my prayer for us this morning. There's this tension in this passage. But my prayer is that, yes, we would have a, a love-filled obedience for Jesus. And pray, Father, I just pray for us as a church, God, I pray that for those of us, Lord, who maybe are struggling to obey you and don't see that in their life very often, Lord, I pray that you bring just a renewal of our hearts. God, a love for you. Lord, that we would, we would just want to follow you and want to obey you because we love you so much. And Lord, I pray for those who maybe struggle on the other side where it's about doing and task and the religious activity. God, I pray Lord, that they would gaze upon you. That, Lord, that, that would flow out of their walk with you, Lord. Being in step with you. God, I pray that you continue to move us more into your heart here. So that our lives would be honestly just totally, radically centered on you. Because we love it. So, Lord, I pray for that for this church, for us. And I pray that as we go today, you give us great joy in our walk with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.